It's been a great journey. We've been living in our RVs for 32 days now. It seems like a lot longer, but 32 days has passed by. Brought us here. It's been a, uh, a long road that got us to this place. And ultimately, the road began about four and a half years ago. We are from Portland. I was living in Portland, attending Calvary Chapel Southeast in Milwaukee, Oregon, a suburb of Portland. I was teaching Sunday school in the, in the church. We were involved, going regularly, married with three kids, nice house, nice car. I was employed as a narcotics detective with the Washington County Sheriff's Office. On the outside, my life looked like it was going pretty well. Things were going pretty good. But my life was a smokescreen. It was a lie. The truth was, I was a hypocrite, a thief. I was addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. I was destroying my life, not only my own life, but the life of my wife, my kids. My life was a wreck. But I was attending church. I was being taught the word verse by verse by Doug Snow, the pastor there. And I sat in that church heavily convicted by the Holy Spirit. I hated my life. I hated where I was. I hated the lies. I wanted to be free, but there was a battle going on between my spirit and my flesh. My flesh wanting to serve the sins that I was living. Spirit was calling me to, to follow Christ, to be set free. I can remember one day sitting in the back of Calvary Chapel during worship and crying out to God to help me. And he I remember hearing the Lord speak to me. He said, confess and I will set you free. The Bible is pretty clear. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes will find peace. I wanted to believe that. My sins were many. (laughs) I had walked so far into the jungle of sin and the weight that I was carrying was so heavy that I, I was scared to death. But God spoke to me and he said, if you confess, I will set you free. And I needed to be free. I wanted to be free. You know, God had a plan for my life. Not only was I at a great church teaching the Bible, but my parents who loved me, who raised me in the way that I should go, and when I promises, when I, you were old, you will not depart from it. They were praying for me every day. But God had also done a wonderful thing. He brought a godly woman into my life who loved the Lord. And this verse was true in my life. It came true. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. As I went off in my world of lies and deceit, my wife was there every day as I walked out the door reading the word and praying. And God had a call in my life on an April 20th, 2004. At the end of my road, not being able to go on in my life of sin, carrying a weight too heavy to bear, I walked into Calvary Chapel with my wife, and I confessed my sins to my pastor and my wife. And God's word was true. It says, who the son sets free is free indeed. And that day, God set me free. And that started a journey over the next four years. I attended Teen Challenge, which if you're not familiar with Teen Challenge, it's a Christ centered discipleship program. God used that program to transform my life. I uh, attended Bible college, and God gave me a call in my life. He was saying, he told me one day when I was praying, he said, I'm going to make you an evangelist, a missionary to this country. And I said, okay, Lord. I thought it was a little bit crazy. I think my wife thought I was crazy. (laughs) 
But as we prayed, we continued to do the work of evangelists in this country over the next, over the next few years. God prepared us. He raised us up. He challenged us. It says, He who is forgiven much loveth much. And I had been forgiven much. And he gave me a desire for the lost, the people that were trapped in the sins and the lies that I lived in for so long. I was trapped in those lies for 25 years. I lived in that world of hell. And he gave me a desire to reach the lost and to set, for them to be set free also. And he raised up my family around me, my wife. I prayed that she would catch the vision to go out in this country and share the gospel every day, everywhere. And God transformed her, transformed her heart. He raised up my brother and sister, called them also as evangelists. And as we began praying and doing the work, going out and sharing our faith week by week, our vision grew and God called us to, we felt was calling us to go sell all that we have and follow him across this country. We took a leap of faith. Dave and Deanna put their house up for sale, trusting if it was, this was a call of God that he would provide the way. The market was horrible. People said, I don't think your house is going to sell. I don't think it's God's will for you to go. The house sold in three weeks for cash. And we watched miracle after miracle as God has opened the doors for us to go and do this thing. And as we were going along, we came, we're looking for a name for our ministry. Praise God, a couple days ago, we got the word from the IRS that we were officially approved as a 501c3. So that was a huge, huge answer to prayer. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, Therefore, we are his representatives, agents for Christ. That's who we are, his representatives As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness righteousness of God in him. That was our calling. That's our calling. Begging people to be reconciled to God. Begging them. For they are lost in their sins. We all are lost in our sins without Jesus. We are destined for a place unspeakable. What an awesome trade he made. He took our sins and traded it for his righteousness. What a wonderful trade. I want to share with you today that if you're living in a life of sin or a secret life, or if you're something is you're scared, God's calling you to do something, I can stand before you here as a testimony that God's word is true. His promises are true. My life of sin destroyed everyone around me. God is a God of restoration. He promises to restore what the locust has eaten. And I'm telling you, it is true. I lived it. God has restored. My wife sits here. I did everything possible to destroy her. But she is a woman of faith, and she trusted God. And God said for her to stay with me, and she did. And God has restored our lives. If you're living in sin and you're scared to, to be set free, I promise you, God will set you free if you just surrender your life to him and follow him. One of the biggest lies the enemy told me, was that if I confessed my sins, that no one would love me, that no one would understand that I would be alone and abandoned. And that is a lie, the biggest lie. Because when I was honest with God, honest with people, people could love me because they knew who I really was. And that's a guarantee will be true in your own life. Speaking of evangelism, Keith Green shared that we're, as a military, we are the Lord's army. We're, we are to obey the last command given. Keith Green, in a little video you can watch on YouTube, he says, The last command given was the Great Commission. It says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. You may not all be called to sell your homes and all your belongings and buy an RV and travel the country from city to city sharing your faith, but I know one thing. You're all called to share your faith wherever God has planted you. I promise you that. That is what God wants you to do. And I'll tell you this, that if you do obey God in this command, 
It'll transform your life because I went to Teen Challenge, which is a one-year live-in program. I went to Bible school, and nothing, I mean, that sure, it grew me. I grew closer. The process of sanctification was real in my life. God began to root out the sin and replace it with his righteousness and use me for his glory. But the time of my life that really, the thing that transformed my life was the day that I started sharing my faith. I promise you it'll challenge you. It'll cause you to grow in ways you never, ever dreamed you would grow becomes real to you when you have to tell when you tell somebody else about it and it's challenges you do i really believe this we were in the dalles we've gone we've been going around the country for the last the, around the state for the last 32 days just practice getting used to living in rvs and doing what god's calling us to do in the country we're in the dalles and bob middleton shared the story about about the moon the moon is just a dirt clod in the sky it has no light of itself but you see the moon at night is so bright. Well, the moon shines because this, it, this, it's a reflection of the sun. The sun shines off the moon. It shines brightly. That's what we are to be, the sun, the son of God, to reflect off our lives and shine through us out into a dark world. In Revelation, it talks about the Bible, about in heaven, that there is no need for the sun because it is so bright in heaven that the son of God will, is the light. There is no need for the sun because God is the light. And that is an awesome, awesome picture in my mind that we'll be in his presence we saw a little bit of that with moses moses was on the mountain he came down his face shone the glory of god i know we don't like to talk about the alternative but god gave me a very vivid picture we, I, I know it's their desire for all to go to heaven it's his desire and the alternative is a scary dark place the lake of fire one one day on a quiet Saturday, I was working as a patrol deputy in Moreno Valley, California. It was very quiet. Saturday mornings usually were a car went, a call went out of a car crash on the 215 freeway just outside of Moreno Valley. We responded, and as I pulled up, I saw the most horrific thing that oh, changed my life. As I sat there and watched the car engulfed in flames, and a mother and her two babies were in the car on fire, and there was nothing I could do. It was too hot. The flames were engulfed and I couldn't do anything. Me and my friend, we could not do anything but sat and watched them. It was horrific. I'm here to tell you that the people that don't reject Christ will go through a much worse destiny, much worse place. But we have something we can do about it. We have the ability to tell them about God's great trade. He's willing to trade his life on the cross and their sin for his righteousness. We're having a little evangelism class in a couple weeks. I just challenge you to come out Go out on the streets with us and share your faith. We have a little video. It's a few minutes long. It's just give you a little vision of what we've, God's brought us through, brought us to where we are today. God bless you. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. I think uh, the challenge uh, to us was, was really twofold. Uh, one, for those of us that, um, that are either not committed to Christ, have never given our lives to Christ, or are living in such a way that we've uh, compromised our, our, our life with Christ. That there's, it's a lifestyle of sin, that we've gone so far away from Christ that uh, there, there really is no evidence of a relationship with Christ. And, and the challenge uh, to you this morning is, like Bill, is to simply uh, turn your life over to Him. And the Bible says that where sin abounds... Grace abounds much more. I think the other challenge is, is to those of us that, that know the Lord, that are following Him, uh, to, to begin to serve Him and to use our gifts. And, and like Bill said, obviously not everybody's called to do what they're doing. 
But everybody is called to use their gifts. In fact, uh, we're going to stand before Jesus one day and we're going to give an account of what we did with what he gave us. And, you know, we're fearful. Fear is, a, is an irrational thing, if you think about fear. And fear causes you to do things that don't make any sense. And that's why so many people uh, die in situations that they probably could live. You know, if somebody breaks into your home or whatever, you do irrational things uh, because you're not thinking clearly. Because fear doesn't produce rationale. And, and it's the same that the enemy produces fear in our life that is really the wrong kind of fear. Like right now, everybody's in a, in a panic, in a, uh, just a state of paranoia about the economy. And yet what we ought to be uh, fearful about is our eternal state. There's never that kind of urgency. There's never that kind of paranoia about that at all. Even as believers, we ought to be in a state of uh, maybe it's fear. I don't know if that's the right word. But in a state of just constant desire to be glorifying the Lord and to be serving Him and to be doing what He's called us to. Because we have a much higher accountability and responsibility to Him than to anything else. Than, than to pay our, our mortgage or, or any of these things that we may be fearful about with the state of the economy. We, we should be focused upon eternity. And, and this life is a vapor, the Bible tells us. And yet we're, we're totally focused on these 70 or 80 years. Meanwhile, completely losing sight of the fact that we have eternity to spend with Jesus and that we ought to be storing up our treasures in heaven, as it were. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about the economy or that it isn't something that would produce anxiety, because it does. But our focus needs to be on heaven and upon Jesus. And, you know, no matter how old you are, no matter where you're at in life, it's not too late to do that and and to begin to... Uh, to serve the Lord, to begin to think of life outside of yourself and have uh, uh, how things affect you, and, and to to desire to to use your gifts to serve in the in the area that God has called you to. But it won't do you any good at all if if your ministry is not simply a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. Ministry that doesn't flow from relationship is, is just. A burden to you. And so the, the first thing is just falling madly and passionately in love with Jesus. And then ministry will just sort of take care of itself. See, that's the problem. It, it really is the issue. Is where are you at with Jesus Christ? Is he the consuming passion of your life? See, that's what motivated Bill and, and his family and Dave and his family to do what they're doing. It's what motivated Paul to do what he did in the early church to go from city to city despite the suffering that he endured it was because he loved Jesus so much and he wanted others to know about him and so it was like a no-brainer it's why when he was in Lystra and he got stoned that when the when the Lord healed him and lifted him back from the dead that he didn't take off running for home which would seem like the natural thing to do let's pack up our stuff and get out of here no, it's what motivated him to turn around and go right back into the same city. It's insane. And that's, you guys, it comes from a, a passion for Jesus. 
It's why we would go to Mexico and, and want to bless the people down there. It's why you'd want to take time to, to serve in the children's ministry and, and bless those kids. Not because, well, dang it, somebody's got to do it. I guess I'll do it. Somebody's got to be in there with those kids and I'll, I'll endure it. But when somebody else steps up, I'm out of here. It's, you know, it's just the wrong motivation. And, and it seems that, uh, that I think many of us have kind of fallen into that. You know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve in this area, but I don't really want to do it. I'm just going to fill a need. Don't just fill a need. Don't just do something because it needs to be done. Do it because you want to serve Jesus and he's the consuming fire of your life. And you can't do anything other than that. And, and so I think that's the twofold kind of encouragement for us. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, which we were going to look at this morning, it, it fits perfectly with that. And I encourage you guys to read it, and we'll, we'll look at it next week. And it just dovetails so perfectly with, with what's been shared this morning. But I, I just feel like enough has been said. You know, it's like you, you know that you've been challenged. You know that you have something to respond to and to apply. In verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain. Despite all the suffering and all the hassles and all the trials, their ministry was not in vain. And you guys, the thing that God is calling you to, that may cost you money, it may cost you time, it, it will cost you the, the opportunity to serve your flesh and, and to be self-focused. It, it has a cost, but it's never in vain, no matter what it is that God's calling you to do. It's not in vain. Even if you don't see abundant fruit. Jeremiah spent his entire ministry without one person ever responding to the message. And yet his ministry was not in vain because he did exactly what Jesus called him to do. And, and so, what is it that God's calling you to do? How are you to respond to what Bill shared this morning? Are, are you a person that needs to invite Jesus into your life? Don't leave here without doing that. Don't leave here without Jesus. Are, are you a person that... that is living, as Bill said, just a smokescreen, facade kind of a life where on the outside it looks like you're doing well. But inside, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're full of dead men's bones. There's no life. And you can't fake that forever. Because one day you will stand before the Lord in whom our entire life is open and bare and naked and he sees everything and will stand before him. And you might be able to fool people now. But man, it is a lot of work. Just give it over to Jesus today. And for those that maybe you've just been living a life that's just self-consumed. Maybe you've been living in fear over the economy. Maybe you've been living uh, for years just feeding your flesh. Buying whatever you want and, and, and doing whatever you want. And now the economy is coming to a place where that's not possible. And, and you're, you're fearful that you may have to give up some of your luxuries. And that's not what we should be fearful about at all. It's not where our focus should be. I, I don't know at all what it is that God is speaking to you this morning. But I know that he's speaking to every single one of us. And he, he wants us to respond. In, in this chapter, 1 Thessalonians 2... Paul says that, that he thanked the Lord for them without ceasing, verse 13, because when they received the word of God, 
They welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And so you have a choice of how you're going to receive what has been said today. And how you receive it will determine the kind of fruit that will be born in your life. God wants you to receive it with openness, with a desire for it to go down into your heart and produce fruit. He wants you to have a soft heart. And many of us have hardened our hearts, have hardened our hearts to the message, to the point where psychologically it can become very difficult for you to make any other decision than the one that you've made time and time and time again. And God is giving you an opportunity today to stop that pattern of not receiving it of hearing it, of maybe even thinking, yeah, that's cool, but not receiving it in your life and having it make a difference and having it radically change you, having it effectively work in you. And so I'm going to invite the worship band to come up and I'm just going to ask us to stand and just to seek God, whatever it is that, that He's spoken to you this morning. Some of you need to just invite him into your life just to say, Jesus, come and be my Lord. I give my life to you. Others of you need to come back to him. You need to repent. Many of us this morning need to evaluate and search our hearts and say, Jesus, what am I living for? What what gets me out of bed in the morning? What are you calling me to do? Wanted to make you guys aware we're going to have a meeting after uh, church today. Um, if you consider this your church and you'd like to be a part of that meeting, uh, hang out. We'll, we'll probably start about uh, noon or right around uh, the noon hour. We'll just be right here in the sanctuary. It'll be a brief meeting. Um, well, let's just spend some time worshiping and just between you and the Lord, confess that sin. Respond to what he's spoken uh, to you this morning. If you need prayer, we'll be available to pray with you. If you just need to confess or talk to somebody, we'd love to do that. Lord bless you guys.